0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And this month, we begin our second annual African-American Ministry Emphasis Month at and Divinity School in conjunction with Black History Month. In each of the next four weeks, we will invite African-American alumni in ministry to share about their work and the things God is doing in their churches and other ministries. We have been praying that this series will inform, encourage, and inspire you in your walk with the Lord. Before Kristen introduces today's guest, let me invite you to join us this spring semester virtually for community worship here at Beeson. The theme of our spring chapel series is The Sinews of Scripture, Leading Doctrines of the Bible. We're going old school, as we've been saying, and showing people how to preach good sermons on Bible doctrine. We'll still be delivering substantial exegesis, explaining scripture in detail in a manner that's driven and controlled by Scripture itself. But rather than preach biblical paragraphs verse by verse, as we usually try to do, this semester we'll choose major Bible doctrines, major Bible teachings, begin our sermons with crucial texts in which those doctrines are laid out, and then reinforce those texts and the doctrines they commend with reference to other passages of the Bible. Just enough to make it clear that these doctrines pervade both the Old and New Testaments, functioning as the sinews of Scripture. Our prayer is that this series will inform the Beeson family about the main teachings of Scripture, show them how our doctrines have come from the Bible, explain to them the ways in which these doctrines are practical, and model how to apply Bible doctrine to our lives. We hope that you'll join us on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. for some wonderful biblical preaching. At Beesondivinity.com slash live. Now, Kristen, would you please introduce today's guest?
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. We have the Reverend Dr. Tashon Gardner. He is Senior Pastor of Plum Grove Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, is the Vice President of Student Affairs at Stillman College, and most importantly is a Beeson alumnus. He also is the founder and CEO of the Citizen Impacting Community Association, which is a nonprofit dedicated to serving and empowering the intergenerational communities of West Tuscaloosa through a variety of academic and social programs and activities. And probably most important is Dr. Gardner is married to Cheryl and they have three, excuse me, four children and three grandchildren. So welcome, Dr. Gardner, to the Beeson podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Chris.
1: Uh, We are so glad to have you, and I didn't even mention in your bio, but um, you, something we're going to ask you about later in the show, but you um, have also started teaching back here at Beeson as an adjunct, and so you are a very busy person, um, and we would love to hear just more about you, um, where you are from, um, anything about your faith journey and your family.
2: Yes, Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Dean Sweeney, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you and in your presence. Uh, Kristen, I'm from rural Pickens County, Alabama. That's about 45 minutes west of Tuscaloosa. And I grew up on the uh, state line of Alabama and Mississippi, rural Pickens County. From there, grew up there, 18 years old after high school went to the U.S. Navy, where I served in Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Four years active, uh, two med cruises, Mediterranean cruises. Came back home, and in 1995, two years after I got out of the Navy, active duty uh, Navy, I received a call to preach, and shortly after that, moved to Tuscaloosa. And and we've been here since. Uh, But my childhood is one of deep faith. My mother... Raised us in the church. Uh, my mother and father still live in Pickens County, and uh, but yeah, we were very involved in the church. Anything National Baptist, we were a part of it. So we ate it, we lived it, we breathed it. We were very involved in the church, and mother just set a very fine example of what it means to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to family and those around us as well.
0: Oh, what a blessing. Dr. Garner, could you tell us just a little bit more about your call to pastoral ministry? Was it the the Plum Grove Church that brought you to Tuscaloosa, and did that happen right as you were feeling the Lord tugging you into pastoral ministry, or, or how did that all
2: take place? Yes, sir. Dean Sweeney, I was a bivocational pastor, so I came to Tuscaloosa as an associate pastor of the Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church in Northport. Uh, where I served there for a number of years before being called to Plum Grove. I love to tell this story, an amazing man, one that's had the uh, perhaps one of the greatest impacts on my life uh, besides my pastor in the ministry, my father in ministry. Uh, Walter Lane Robertson was the pastor of Plum Grove Baptist Church. Pastor Robertson is the father of Timothy Robertson, and the father-in-law of Kokisha Bailey Robinson, uh, both of whom are 2007 graduates of BESA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Pastor Robinson called me in two, the year 2000 to come and preach for him. Instantly, I fell in love with him uh, and it was just a brotherly love. A year later, he invited me to come and serve him as assistant pastor. Pastor Robinson had uh, Parkinson's disease. But I learned from him the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of difficulty, personal difficulty. So I served him for two years as his assistant. And then in January 2003, I commenced my journey uh, as a senior pastor of Plum Grove Baptist Church.
1: As I mentioned in your bio, uh, we are so proud that you are a Beeson alumnus. Having earned your MDiv degree in 2014, um, I would love to hear what led you to Beeson, And I believe that you continued serving as a pastor while you were a student. So I'd love to hear about that experience of of studying at Beeson and also serving as pastor and how the two complemented one another.
2: Yeah, so I've been in love with Sanford University a long time, (laughs) even back when I was in the Navy, uh, before I really knew Sanford. But I mentioned being called into the ministry in 1995 and my father in ministry was Frank Kennedy Jr., who is a three-time graduate of Sanford, one of Sanford schools. But he also graduated from Bison around 2000, 2001, I think. But his example of faithfulness and what it means for, for uh, especially African-American pastors to make those sacrifices to further their theological education in a formal way and so he was my uh, influence and probably the greatest influence of pastoral and preaching ministry uh, that I've had. So, so he, him having studied at Beeson really influenced me to consider going there after, uh, of course, undergrad and sometime after my um, in, well into my pastoral ministry. But balancing that, it is a balancing act. One that I could not even think about doing without the love of my wife, uh, her support, unselfish, uh, the understanding, the patience of my kids. So it was uh, grueling, as we know, Beeson can be. <laughs> and uh, but through the grace of God, a supportive family, I have really, uh, I was really blessed to matriculate there. I think for me my theological education at Beeson uh, has simply led to a deeper appreciation and commitment to the pastoral office. So seeing that I am a part of a long list and lineage of faithful pastors throughout church history really deepens my commitment to the Lord. Uh, Also Beeson has increased my awareness and understanding Uh, For community, what it means to live in community, uh, what it means to live in community with people different. So uh, there at Beeson, I've gained appreciation for people of different faith traditions, interdenominational, multiculturalism. And so uh, that's what Beeson has meant to me. And probably, perhaps, among the biggest influences is a deeper appreciation for preaching the gospel of Christ.
0: Mm, Dr. Gardner, uh, that's a great segue to the next question I wanted to ask you. I want to get you to talk with our listeners just a little bit more about preaching itself, because I know uh, not only are you a fine preacher, you're an expert in preaching. You went from Beeson and did a PhD in Christian preaching at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. uh, where you focused on social crisis preaching, rhetoric in the African-American preaching tradition and then the preaching of Kelly Miller Smith Sr. in particular. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you learned there? Can you tell listeners, uh, probably we've got some white listeners who aren't used to hearing about social crisis preaching, mm-hmm. so if you could tell them what that is and commend it uh, to them, that would be helpful. And then if you forget, I'll ask you this one again later, but I also want you to tell our listeners who is Kelly Miller Smith and what do we need to know about him?
2: Right. Let me start with that, if it's okay, uh, Dean Sweeney. I didn't know, I prided myself in being a student of African American history and African American religion. But to my shame, I didn't know Kelly Miller Smith until Dr. Robert Smith introduced me to him and said that this is someone I I would like for you to, to get to know. So the more I read, researched, it was uh, without a shadow of a doubt who I wanted to focus my research on. The Lyman Beecher Lectures at Yale uh, got about a 150 year history. In that 150 year history, only 13 African-Americans have delivered those distinguished lectures. And Kelly Miller Smith is one of them who delivered the Lyman Beecher Lectures at Yale in 1983. And so he was the uh, distinguished pastor of First Baptist Church, Capitol Hill in Nashville, Tennessee, a personal friend of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And something many people don't know, he was the architect of the sit-in movement. So we hear a lot about direct nonviolent resistance in the 60s. Uh, Kelly Miller Smith and his work training there at First Baptist Capitol Hill really made that a nonviolent tactic, one that was very effective in integrating department stores and lunch counters there in Nashville. So beyond that, what really made the connection with me for Kelly Miller Smith is that he remained a pastor throughout uh, his years of activism and academic work, he was faithful to his calling as a pastor. Pastor First Baptist Capitol Hill for 33 years, except for three months, when he went to uh, Antioch Baptist Church in Ohio, got there, realized that his work in Nashville was not done. The church was so gracious; they called him back, and the rest is history. So that's who Kelly Miller Smith is. His Lyman Beecher lectures, of course, was entitled "Social Crisis Preaching." Our uh, will segue to say what social crisis preaching is, as defined by Kelly Miller Smith. It is the preaching of that which is crucially relevant within the context of the Christian gospel in times of upheaval and stress. So social crisis preaching is biblical preaching. I don't like to view it as something other, uh, but it is bringing the gospel of Christ to bear to humanity in these critical times, some of which we are experiencing right now. So that's really what uh, it's about. And at Southern, you know, the finest scholars, Robert uh, Vogel, Herschel York, so many people there who really pushed and challenged me, not just to get by, but to really excel. And I wanna backtrack to say this, without Beeson Divinity School, I would not have been able to be as, um, I I hate to use the word successful, that's not a good word, but faithful in my studies at, uh, at Southern. Beeson really prepared me in writing, in forming arguments, the languages, of course, to do the work that God allowed me to do at Southern Seminary, and I'm grateful for that.
1: Thank you for that, uh, Dr. Gardner. I would love to hear a little bit more about the social crisis preaching, especially as it relates to the social crises that we've had this past year. I mean, what a year it has been um, for all of us, and especially for those in ministry and pastoral ministry. What is this type of preaching or this biblical social crisis preaching looked like um, in your ministry this year? Maybe you can give some examples of what it looks like, why is this important, and maybe any kind of encouragement to those pastors listening who might be afraid of uh, preaching in this way.
2: Right. So, Kristen, I want to drive this home, and the most important thing that we have to understand about social crisis preaching is one earns the right to be prophetic by being pastoral. So in that points to love, when you love people, when you love all people, you earn a hearing. So Kelly Miller Smith defines this as the pre-sermon functionality of the pastor. It is the pastor's involvement, not only in the community, but in the lives of his people that gives one leverage and license to speak to very sensitive social issues. Because at the end of the day, what it's really about, people need to hear a word from the Lord and they need to trust the herald from which that word is coming. So remembering that we are first and foremost uh, heralds of the gospel, as John Piper reminds us in his book, we are not professionals, right? And so what that means to me Social crisis preaching is not civic discourse. It is not political, political uh, pontification. It is not angry rhetoric. It is a sharing of the gospel and, and explaining from the word of God. And that is the most important part, it's biblical. It does not take a theme from CNN or Fox News, but it's anchored in the Bible of what it means for us in the body of Christ to live out the, the Christian love ethic. what it's like if we're justified, what does that what is that like? How do we live that out in the marketplace where we learn, where we pray, where we uh, eat, shop, uh, where we worship. And so social crisis preaching is that. I understand that there are uh brothers and sisters on of all persuasions that have some trepidation and some fear about this and i think some of that is healthy because one when one enters into addressing social issues it, you cannot be emotional you cannot get your even your preferences tied up into the uh the preaching experience so some of that is a healthy fear that allows us to discard our presuppositions and our own prejudices that we bring to culture and the text but it is a trusting god it is a trusting god it is a jeremiah that cries out this word is shut up in my bones and we have to speak to the relevance of the moment so for me it's bringing the gospel to bear on the social issues because we are so we live in society We are not in heaven. We live out our justification right here in a a social context. So if the gospel is not relevant to how I vote, what worldview I espouse, how I view my neighbor, how I treat them in light of disagreements, how we leverage personal responsibility, because prophetic preaching is not only speaking truth to power, but it's also speaking truth to the powerless. So uh, those are just a few scattered thoughts of what I can offer about social crisis preaching.
0: That's good, and you mentioned a few minutes ago, our credibility as preachers is related to the way in which we care for people. Mm -hmm. all the time, Uh, but I'm thinking especially about in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. I don't have to persuade anybody listening to this show right now that 2020 was a year full of social crisis, uh, all kinds of racial injustice, all kinds of political turmoil, and that's not even mentioning the COVID epidemic we're all suffering under right now Mm -hmm. and have been suffering under for several months now. What's pastoral care like in the midst of a year like 2020 for you? And do you have some advice for maybe especially younger, up-and-coming pastors when it comes to what's needed in terms of pastoral care
2: when times get really tough? Dean Sweeney, I would offer young pastors the advice to stay close to the cross, to know your demographic. It's so easy in these times to get caught up in fads and what Dr. Smith calls uh, gimmicks and gadgets because you know we do a lot of uh, social media preaching, but you have to know your congregation. So if you have an older congregation that may not be technological savvy, it's knowing that so that we have the faithfulness to them to deliver this word in a way that uh, reaches them. So I would say, know your demographic, remember and keep the people of God reminded In times like these, where there's so much turmoil, that God is sovereign, that he is in control. He has not removed himself, nor has he given up his throne. So for me, that's what it's been like in this pandemic. This pandemic has been a blessing. We've slowed down significantly. And that's given me an opportunity to reconnect deeper with my wife, with my children, with the Lord right? To understand that life is but a vapor. And some of the things that we are worried about as pastors, when we get into the competitive nature of pastoring, really, we find out in times like these, it's really not important. What is important is allowing God's people to see, feel, and know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so keeping the main thing, the main thing, is what I offer pastors. Nothing, nothing deep, but sometimes we forget those very, very uh, general and foundational truths.
1: I mentioned that in addition to being a pastor, you serve as a vice president at Stillman College. And I would love for you to tell our listeners uh, a little bit about the history of Stillman College, um, especially for those who are not familiar with um, this institution. Uh, yeah. What do you do there? And how does your work as a pastor complement the work that you do at uh, this college?
2: Yes. So, Kristen, uh, Stillman College is a historically black college or university, small liberal arts college, was founded in 1876 by a white Presbyterian pastor, Charles Stillman, who really was a social crisis preacher in 1876, before it was popular. Uh, If you go back to my sermon that I preached at Beeson, uh, Dr. Stillman brave a very um, hostile crowd in Tuscaloosa to found a school to educate black preachers during that time. So Stillman began as a training institute for African-American pastors and preachers. Uh, It has blossomed uh, into a liberal arts college that uh, serves um, the wider community and people from all over the United States. And we do have an international uh, presence as well. I serve as the vice president for student affairs. And so I'm involved in all that makes for a robust, healthy student life where I, I manage athletics, also campus security, and all the things that come with student affairs. But where it, the connecting point is community. I pastor in a p- predominantly black neighborhood where there is a lot of blight, there is a lot of uh, poverty, there's a lot of uh, injustice. And so the work that I do at Stillman in affirming and empowering and showing the love of Christ is directly related to what I do at Plum Grove as a pastor and in the church, in the community, I'm sorry, in the community as a organizer, a worker, and a builder of community. So. Uh, Stillman is located right in the midst of West Tuscaloosa. My church is actually one mile from Stillman College. So in this way, serving the African-American community by emphasizing the importance of education, ensuring that the the families that send their children to Stillman College know that they are in a place where they're going to be nurtured and loved also is in harmony with what I do as a pastor.
0: Dr. Gardner, regular listeners to this podcast may recall uh, that last fall, you and Dr. Smith taught a course uh, on the African-American church for the first time here at Beeson. We are committed to offering that class every year moving forward. I'm not sure we've had a chance on the podcast to let people know quite how popular it was, but the word on the street, the word in the (laughs) hallways of Beeson Divinity School is it's one of the best classes these students have ever had. So help the rest of us out a little bit who are teaching classes these days. Uh, What's the magic sauce there? What did you do in that class? And uh, what were you trying to accomplish? And just more importantly, how
2: do you feel like the Lord was using it? What got done there? The magic sauce is Robert Smith, Jr. That's it. Okay. But, But early on, Dr. Smith and I wanted this to be more than a class on the history of the black church. We wanted it to be transformational. We wanted to establish some transparency to let our students know that you could be honest and open about your convictions, your theological convictions. And I think that was, that was the secret there. That was the, the key of providing a, a very firm and uh, safe learning environment for our students. But what we wanted to do is also help all of our students to know that the Black church has so much in common with the church of other dominant ethnicities and races, right? But also, we wanted our students to gain an appreciation for the Black church and what God has done through uh this church throughout history. If when we look at the fifties, sixties, seventies, the United States of of America, where would we be without uh those disciples in the black church braving threats, marching advocating for fairness and equality and equity. We wanted our students to have an appreciation, but also to let them know that some of that same spirituality that fueled and gave strength to the Black church, the Black church does not have a monopoly on that, right? That's transferable to every race, every culture, every ethnicity, and it's and the black church is a welcoming place. So we wanted that to be uh, the experience and I am very humbled to be a part of it. We have an awesome, awesome student body. People like Isaiah, Corey, Samuel, so many of those leaders that are very conscious and very sharp minds as well made it it what it was. So I give credit to Dr. Smith and to our awesome students.
1: Dr. Gardner, we always like to end these uh, shows hearing about God's work in and through your life. So, what is God doing in your life these days? What is He teaching you?
2: Oh, more than ever, humility and grace, uh, Kristen. I'm I'm working on a couple of books, uh, so I've gotten a couple of book proposals uh, accepted. One by Broadman Holman, the other by Fortress Press. Uh, I'm writing also some book reviews. So in that, the Lord is showing me that I don't deserve that. And so, and since I don't, it is incumbent upon me to really be faithful to it, to lock out the noise and realize that this is my service to the kingdom of God. So that's what the Lord is teaching me. And also to pass it on. I want to do for other young preachers and other students what men like Walter Lane Robinson, Frank Kennedy Jr., Frank Kennedy Sr., Robert Smith did to, did for me, because there's no way that I'm having this awesome interview with you and Dean Sweeney without those people. So I'm committed, and God is impressing in my life to invest in other people for the glory of God and the continuation. Of the body of Christ. That's a
0: great word. Listeners, you have been listening to the Reverend Dr. Tyshawn Gardner, senior pastor of the Plum Grove Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He's also the vice president of student affairs at Stillman College. He's also sometimes a professor here at Beeson Divinity School. He wears many other hats involved in civic leadership in Tuscaloosa and elsewhere. We're really proud to say he's a Beeson alumnus He's such a busy guy. We're grateful to him for giving us a little bit of time this afternoon. Uh, We're confident that the words that he shared with you are a blessing, and the Lord will use them to edify you uh, as you try to follow the Lord's leading in your own life moving forward. So thank you, Dr. Gardner, for being with us. And to our listeners, we are praying for you. We love you. Please pray for us. And goodbye for now.
1: You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast.